Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. That is still our email address. Also, the reverb line, which we'll get to momentarily. That number is still 408-VERBAL-1. That's 408-837-2251. Find us on Facebook on FanCred. And, of course, on the Twitter sphere. Hello, Dan. Hi, Ty. How are you? I am wearing down and doing my best to not show it here. Okay. Um, a few things we should touch on in this particular order. Mm-hmm. Your health and well-being after more than a dozen hours in Atlantic City. Health and well-being. I've got the raspy, like, party voice going on. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear that. I don't know if it helps. And have, you, have you scrubbed the Atlantic City off of you yet? I have scrubbed Atlantic City off me, yeah. Good. Good. Had those incredible casino jeans when I woke up this morning that just have oh. all sorts of aromas baked into them. The sadness stank. The sadness stank, sure. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm glad to hear that. How yep. much football did you get to watch? Because I watched a lot of football, so feel yep. free to lean on me because I have. You're not going to believe this. I have some strong thoughts about really? week seven. I is do. this a new thing for you, or this is? It's a new leaf. It's a new Dan. It's a new time. I think Michael Bublé has a song about that. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm curious about what you were able to see because you posted a picture from what appeared to be maybe one of the Saturn neon bars in the universe. So. I'm excited. Yeah, I watched college football. I, I pieced together my college football viewing experience. Yeah. Over the course of the day with like three different trips to three different sports bars in the Tropicana Casino Resort. Oh, OK. So I was able to watch a fair amount of football in between getting mauled at the blackjack table, which Good. I could discuss a little bit later. Sure. Um, but I had a chance to watch most of the games and. The the upshoot really was that they have more TVs at the sports bar than I have at my apartment. Therefore, it actually wasn't. I would imagine so. Yeah, it wasn't that bad a situation. I was able to at least watch most of these games and form some of my own strong opinions. Good. I'm glad to hear. Yes. it. Should we start the week seven rap show where we normally start these types of shows? I think we do. Again, the number is 408 verbal one. Here are your week seven reverbs. Let's have a listen. Coke Zero and Bacardi Spiced Rum. This is how you watch Everett Golson turn the ball over twice in the first five minutes and still feel pretty good about it. What's up, boys? It's Mike in Baltimore. Hi, this is Omar from Jersey City. Hey, guys, this is Rooster out in San Diego. Hey, this is Sanders from Clemson. Hey, guys, PJ in Cleveland here. Dare I say this season is slowly approaching 2007 levels of craziness? It is October 11th, 2014, and we have entered the Twilight Zone, where the two best teams in America are both from the state of Mississippi. What the hell is going on? Bye-bye, Auburn! You're the cowbell, baby! Well, laugh all you want, but Kevin Sumlin is going to be undefeated in access polls and in BCS polls, and that's pretty impressive. It looks like Kenny Trills watched that surgery. Hotty toddy. Oh, Bart done dead again. Y'all really need to acknowledge that Arkansas is the best, worst team 
in the country right now. This is Nick Saban. I need two little Debbies, a cup of coffee, and a giant bottle of aspirin. The wheels are off in College Station. The altar of Ty lives and strikes again. Ty, as always, you were right, but that was the prototypical letdown look-ahead sandwich. But damn, that was a tasty sandwich. Ty, for the love of touchdown Jesus, lock up Florida State as many times as you want. Just calling on behalf of all the Boston College for ballers. I'd like to thank Dan and Ty for locking up Boston College. You guys have done it twice this year. Both times, BC gets the win. Texas is apparently the state where defense goes to die. Put it on black, Rick Perry. I like this Baylor version better. Forget that defense. Sick of Bears, all offense, baby. Oklahoma's play is marked by the magnificent Jackson Chains. Did Mike Spartans just have a nail biter with Purdue? Nobody puts Brady Hook in the corner. Nobody. Iowa scored 38 points in one half of football. I'm not lying. Play that ice cream truck music for UCLA because, man, were they soft. Okay, Just Thompson, stop trying to make Marcus the Maserati Mariota happen. It's not going to happen. I'm an actual Lehigh graduate who watched the Lehigh versus Bucknell game today. They were awful. Congratulations to Mike Nebrich, who threw 36 of 47 for 566 yards passing in a winning effort for New York City's true team, the Fordham Rams. Light up the Empire State Building in Maroon. Hi, Ty and Dan. This is, uh, this is Ty. I'm currently down $250 in Atlantic City, and I still think I could beat Penn State's offense. Ah, there you have it. There, wow. How drunk were you? How many in were you? There? Yes. No, I was. that was just my jubilant voice, Dan. I didn't have anything in me at that point in time. Oh, I'm just making sure. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I was fine. I was fine. I needed to keep my head about me in order to watch all these games and digest what I was seeing. What I love about um, the solid verbal, besides for you, obviously, that's my number one. Thank you. But it's just how much people embrace how... Weird the show gets. A <laughs> lot of Fordham talk on Twitter. Yeah. A lot of Fordham talk. Good. And once, I should say, again, New York's team. <laughs> Everybody knows it. Everybody believes it. College football is just coming around to it. Can we get a Fordham Rutgers game? Is that doable? I just, I would feel bad for Rutgers. Fordham looks <laughs> legit. My boy Chase Edmonds. Absolutely. They put up, he had like 450 yards passing in the first half. We should, we'll, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that big, nasty Pat League tie. You know we will, but we should probably start with bigger games. Yes, we should. Where do you want to start? Your uh, new, by the way, AP top five is yeah, Mississippi Yeah, let's start with those teams. Mississippi State, Florida State, Ole Miss, Baylor, and uh, Notre Dame. We will start with Mississippi State. Look, I, I know the polls don't really matter. It gives us another talking point on a show like this but right. it still is a huge coup for mississippi state to now have vaulted into first place in that poll that's an accomplishment and i know if i said that's it once unreal if i said it once i've said it a thousand times from top to bottom i think they've looked like the best team in the country and it really did manifest in this game against auburn 38 to 23 
-hmm. You know the drill by now. Dak Prescott, he throws two early touchdown passes. They get Josh Robinson in on the action as well. In the first quarter, Dan, 21-0. Auburn did not know what even happened. 21-0. Well, credit Sylvester Croom, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, and the, the nicest thing you can almost say about a team is how well they respond to good coaching, how well coaching responds to good players, experienced players, which of course Mississippi state has using offense, using turnovers on the defensive side to really set this team up. Initially, they, it was very clear that Mississippi state game planned exceptionally well, which is particularly impressive coming off of a big win a week before and to maintain that focus going into another week. Cause obviously the sec West is week in and week out, just a brutal, brutal time for everybody involved, except for the viewer for the, viewer it's pretty fun sure um but mississippi state to to sort of it's not that people doubted them it's we hadn't seen this from a mississippi state team i doubted them and and not not because you didn't think they were good but because we hadn't seen this we hadn't seen Dak prescott week in and week out yeah and for them to go to auburn or to go to auburn at home but to take it to auburn um it was it was pretty impressive, especially and they, they slowed down after the first quarter, but they come out so well against Auburn, Auburn, no response on either side of the ball. Nick Marshall, another kind of woeful. He's secretly average as I mean, I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but our friend Luke Zimmerman was in, in New York watching the games with us. And he's just never been a big Nick Marshall guy. And he was like, no, watch him play when he has to throw the ball. He's secretly just OK. And that's what he looked like against this Mississippi State defense, who was able to move the ball in every single way they wanted to uh, in that first quarter. And eventually they were able to do more in the in the later stages of the game. But great on third downs. Um, penalty wise, it was pretty equal in this game. And Mississippi State is the, the team with the best resume in the country, the team with perhaps the most upperclassmen that can be counted on on both sides of the ball. And I wouldn't want any piece of the Bulldogs or for that matter, the team elsewhere in that state Ole Miss at this point, it's, it's a scary good situation in Mississippi. They're, they're very, very good, Dan. And I think yeah. we have the answer to the question now to build on your point. Who do you trust more? Dak Prescott, Nick Marshall, at least in the context of this game, the answer was Dak Prescott. He had another right. whale of a game. Got to be your Heisman front runner. 246 through the air, 121 on the ground, all in all. A couple accounts. picks were questionable, but yeah, the, the dual threat ability at this point was fantastic. Accounted for three touchdowns. He's very, very good. It wasn't the most pristine game. Right. Eight total turnovers here, but Mississippi State, as we mentioned, jumps out to an early lead and then just sort of coasts to victory. I'm not going to play the boat race sound for this because right. Auburn did actually have this one down to like 28-20 at one point, but Mississippi State always had this one. I think well in hand. Yeah. After three straight weeks of playing top 10 teams, that's what they were ranked when they played them. LSU, Texas, A&M and Auburn. It is good for Mississippi state to sort of have that chance. And not that Kentucky isn't good. They have a week off before Kentucky. They get Arkansas and UT Martin, which is apparently a thing Yep. before getting Bama and Ole Miss two out of three weeks to finish the season out. So it is nice for Mississippi state to sort of catch their breath with the bye week sort of evaluate what they have and haven't been doing, maybe correct some of the turnover issues that, that cropped up against Auburn and, uh, and, and settle in for what should be a very entertaining, if nothing else run in the back half of their schedule. Well, let's stay in the great state of Mississippi then and talk about Ole Miss who went yeah. on the road to college station. What a statement win. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. No, I just going to say I full on doubted them. I did too. I did, too. I I picked Ole Miss to win this game, but 
you weren't the only one to doubt because right. A&M was actually favored by three at kickoff. Yes, they were. And I just felt like in terms of what we've talked about and what we've noticed, and it's the the body blow theory, it's yeah. Texas A&M's offense looking off, but we felt pretty good about the Aggies and, and offense. Um, looking at a couple of Ole Miss's offensive weaknesses themselves coming off of a physical game against Alabama. Bo Wallace has looked very, very good, but inconsistent at times. The running game is still a question. Even after yesterday, we would like to see a little bit more in terms of ability to sort of boat race themselves into a... 24 point win instead of a 15 point win little things like that but that's that's nitpicking because their defense makes me fear for every time i walk around a corner in any city i am in those guys cody pruitt sir darius Bryan, all those guys kim dj's everywhere i see kim dj like a kaleidoscope i i walk around and there are 44 sort of reflective robert kim dj's and i think that's how the sec west is going to do it do the same the rest of the year so ole miss and mississippi state i mean just in terms of being a complete team, Mississippi State is probably the team in terms of the the single scariest thing in college football. I don't know how you don't call the Ole Miss defense at this the point. The Ole Miss defense could be the best defense in the country. And look, to go on the road to win 35-20 to 20 in right. a hostile environment in College Station, I thought I saw that they had the largest crowd on hand for a football game ever in right. the great state of Texas. So this was no picnic to go on the road and take it to A&M the way they did. Just a statement when I found it rather impressive that they were able to do this right. one week after beating Bama. Remember the circumstances in Oxford a week ago. Mm -hmm. Game days there. Finally, this is a chance at redeeming many years of hardship within that Ole Miss program. Catherine's Harry on campus. That's right. You've got the job done. And now you got to come back on the road against a tough opponent. No letdown here at all. The difference ended up being turnovers. Two yeah. of AM's three turnovers resulted in Ole Miss points. They had an interception return and a fumble return. And you know, Dr. Bo. Dr. Bo. Say what you want about Dr. Bo, but now this is two consecutive big games where he's been efficient, hasn't shot himself in the foot. Threw for a touchdown in this game, went 13 of 19 passing, also ran for two touchdowns. He can be a very effective dual threat quarterback if he's yeah. not making mistakes. Ole Miss next week, back at home against Tennessee. Meanwhile, AM has to go to Tuscaloosa. Just a brutal stretch of the of the schedule for AM, Mississippi State, Mississippi, and now Alabama. So it'll be interesting to see which direction these two teams go from this point. What is that? One of those soft directional sunbelt schools in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, it who, could be. It could that's be who A&M's taking on. Yeah. And to, to sort of build on what you are absolutely correct about Bo Wallace, fantastic in the first half, which he obviously did not show against Boise state struggled early against Memphis. So to, to see him put together four good quarters yeah. to win the turnover battle, they were, I mean, the land sharks are swirling. It's, it's unbelievable. So, um, yeah, a pleasure to see. My question to you now is when you reflect upon this specific game, which really yeah. the 35 to 20 score was closer than it actually was. Um, if you had to sort out, if you had a pile in front of you, when you are just looking in your brain and trying to separate everything and, and rank things, favorite Kevin Sumlin win at home against a ranked Ooh, team. Gosh. Oof. I, I mean, we only have so much time. This is like an hour show, right? Uh, if, if Art Bryles and Baylor were to go to Kyle Field... Art Bryles never having beaten a ranked team on the road. Kyle Field never hosting a Kevin Sumlin victory, obviously, at home. Is is it just a black hole of every, both 
both teams decide that it's just in their best interest not to play. The game gets pre-vacated? Pre-vacated, yeah. It's, a, it's just sort of a life DQ. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Here's my question to you. All right. Which Mississippi team do you trust more? At this point, I think I trust Ole Miss a little bit more because they've been able to to go on the road now, whereas Mississippi State went to LSU, which is impressive, but I think we like LSU less and less every week. Mm. But in terms of best road victory, I still think this is probably the best. And having beaten Bama, I think Bama, uh, Bama and Auburn now to me are, are pretty even and that they have flaws. The big, the big thing that stands out at this point in the season, Mississippi State, having four turnovers that's if i'm going to nitpick Ole miss not having four turnovers against a decent team zero team zero turnovers on the road um it was something it was something to behold well i think i still err on the side of mississippi state but it's pretty damn close it's pretty damn close i i'm not fully sold on this new look efficient dr bo wallace right i am sold now on dak prescott all right we mentioned alabama 14 to 13? Yeah, Ty. This game wasn't on in any of the sports bars. And in hindsight, I'm kind of glad it wasn't because right. what, what what was this? What was this? It was a matter of Alabama, just the offensive line and running backs. If, if we're to believe, and I think it's, it's fair to believe Alabama's running backs are fantastic. Derek Henry, TJ Yeldon, Kenyon Drake, all these guys, they did nothing. They really, for the majority of this game, into late into this game or a good chunk into this game, it was something like one, if you include sack yardage lost, one rushing yard. And so if it's a matter of the offensive line misreading things, if it's a matter of play calling, it's a matter of Blake Sims making adjustments at the line pre-snap, whatever it was, the Alabama offense looked putrid on the road again against a, a, a vastly improved Arkansas team. An Arkansas team who suffered enough breaks in this game the fumble at the goal line, a couple of wonky field goals. I think one was blocked. One had a wonky snap. Um, Arkansas essentially gave this game away. They played fantastically well defensively against Alabama. And if they can sort of execute in big spots throughout this game, Arkansas is going from losing to Alabama 52 to nothing to beating this team like 16, 14. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. We had a caller who hit it on the head. Arkansas may be the best worst team in the sec. They're a really good team. They're a lot like Ole Miss last year. Yeah. You're not going to know it when you look at the record. I believe I had Ole Miss last year before the season when we said, you know, who's a team? Yeah, oh, Maybe yeah. SEC West that'll that. come out of nowhere. And I just, I was a year early. Well, it I was it just happens. a year early. So 14 to 13, Bama yeah. essentially wins this one after blocking a, uh, I guess, a point after attempt earlier on in the game after Arkansas's first touchdown. So, yeah. All right. Elsewhere in the SEC, Georgia smokes Mizzou. <laughs> 34 to nil was your final here. I wavered a little bit after the girly suspension broke. That happened as it always does after we recorded our show. So mm-hmm. we couldn't factor that into the final discussion. But I tweeted out right. yesterday morning. I was going to stick with the dogs. I still thought they were way better than Mizzou, and it showed here. So they win 34-0. Uh, LSU beats Florida 30-27. to Yeah. Way more points in this game than I expected. Um, the other news on the Florida front is that Treon Harris didn't play but was cleared of his allegations. You would expect to see yeah. more of him soon. That's a good story to have him back. 
Uh, Kentucky and Tennessee both won comfortably, and Vandy eked one out over Charleston Southern. I first of all, I respect, and I'll paraphrase. Stand by your pick. Gotta have conviction in this business. Fantastic job with that. Nick Chubb got both his and Todd Gurley's carries. Yep. Getting toting the rock thirty-eight times. Yep. Thirty-eight is a lot of numbers, and I really hope he doesn't get hurt. But if they keep giving it to him upwards of forty times, thanks, Mike Bobo. Thank you for that. Um, Missouri uh, is, I don't even, they're secret below average or just right out in the open below average. Missouri right now opened as a three-point underdog this coming week against Florida, which is saying something. I think it's totally justified. Missouri couldn't hold on to the ball. They didn't. Do you have a favorite Missouri third down conversion in this game? I don't. There are so few because there were none. You're liking this joke, aren't you? I, I love it. I'm going to beat it into the ground, and then I'll come up with a new one to beat into the ground. Matty Mock was, was just bad. He yeah, was he just he's not just good. a bad, bad day. He's probably better than he showed, but not that much better. Uh, Missouri, just the, the attrition, the injuries, it's all added up, and they have not found a way to to work together to form any sort of semblance of a respectable football team at this point could they get better later this season next season certainly this short-term look not for me um but yeah georgia defensively fantastic hudson mason actually had a very nice day and how much of that was getting to face missouri's defense probably a little bit but yeah they they really responded well especially going on the road after and it's probably nice that they went on the road after the girly stuff um but you know what what a what a decent enough to to pretty good team would do all right let's go Let's go to the second best conference in college football. Let's we want to do Pat League already. Let's talk about the uh, Big 12. You're wrong, by the way. But yeah, continue. Baylor 61, TCU 58. Oh, my yeah. God. What a game this was. Um, Baylor wins on the arm of Bryce Petty because they overcome a 21-point deficit in the last 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. They win this one with 24 unanswered points. The numbers for Petty were eye-popping. 510 yards, Mm -hmm. six touchdown passes, had two interceptions. He looked really good in this game. For as good as Baylor looked down the stretch, coming from behind, erasing that huge deficit, I couldn't help but think, man, this sucks for TCU because they had Baylor dead to rights. Dead to rights and just couldn't play defense down the stretch ultimately they end up losing on a field goal at the gun what a heartbreaker for tcu because if you get by baylor i think you start seeing visions of playoffs right all right if you get by baylor that that's a big deal oh yeah and um just could not get the job done 61 to 58 a crazy crazy game yeah by the way this game it was something like 105 pass attempts Felt like it kicked off at 3.30 and ended at 9.45. Oh, my God, yeah. Thanks, Big 12. Yeah. Good Lord. It was a mini series. Each quarter was like its own night. Um, Baylor's defense, it will get lost in the fact that they gave up 58 points, but they did a good job against TCU on the ground. Trevon Boykin didn't have a fantastic day. TCU's defense itself, though, did a, a pretty good job for three quarters dealing with this Baylor offense, turning this Baylor offense over, putting the offense in a good position, putting the offense in a position to keep scoring and stay ahead of Baylor. Baylor puts up 24 points in like 10 and a half minutes, which they, they essentially needed every single one of these points. Uh, Unsurprisingly, 
our Bryles, Baylor offensive staff, Bryce Petty, they spread the ball around fantastically well. They, they very clearly have the deepest receiving core in the Big 12, if not on a larger scale. Goodley, Coleman, and Cannon, all fantastic. Shock Linwood, terrific on the ground, sh- shouldering a lot of that load when things aren't going so well to just keep the offense in rhythm. Uh, Baylor, not all that good on third down. We, we talked about the turnovers. Penalty-wise, this game took forever. I think there was like a 20 combined penalty. Whatever it was, it was a, it was a maddening shot shootout that took forever that Baylor saying Baylor survived is maybe even too kind. Baylor won this game and lost this game. TCU won this game and lost this game. It was a mini series. Yeah, it was a mini series of, of maddening events. 61 to 58 Baylor keeps the dream alive. By the way, everyone in the big 12 is going to beat everyone in the big 12. May I ask you this? You can see it coming. Sure. You can ask me anything. When is, when is Baylor get Oklahoma, by the way? I want to say it's a couple weeks. I'll check that out. It's early November, not the band, the day, November 8th. So it looks like it's, they have West Virginia, Kansas, then Oklahoma with the bye week between West Virginia and Kansas. Um, And secretly lost, I think, in the Big 12 shuffle with the the sort of menage uh, 12 of of Oklahoma, TCU, and Baylor. you just come up with that? Yeah, that's that's disgusting. Menage 12. 12. Good for you. Yeah. Okay. Menage 12. Um, The... uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the Pokes, yeah. they, they haven't lost in the conference. They lose to what appears to be a top three or four team in the country. Um, and even though they struggled with Kansas on the road, Charlie Weiss wasn't involved in that game, so Kansas had to have gotten gotten better. You would think. Um, Oklahoma State just sort of there. They have, uh, I think they're on the road for both Baylor and Oklahoma, but and I think Kansas State. They'll be one of them. Yeah, and they've got. I'm uh, pretty sure Oklahoma State gets T- Kansas State. Oh, and TCU on the road too. Yeah, they've got TCU this coming week. Yeah, that that feels like a letdown spot for uh, for TCU, but that's something we'll discuss later in the week. But yeah, Oklahoma State hanging around as a as an okay to pretty good team at this point. Oklahoma 31, Texas 26. Dan, they call it the Red River Shootout. Never heard of it. Oklahoma never trailed in this game. They no. scored in interesting ways. Especially, in all sorts of ways they trailed, but not on the scoreboard. Right. They scored in interesting ways in okay. the first half. Non-traditional. Right. It wasn't a dominant offensive showing. They scored their first two touchdowns via kick return and another Zach Sanchez interception. Mm-hmm. The guy is just ridiculous. Sanchez. Nah, Sanchez. Sanchez. Um, Oklahoma 31, Texas 26. Any takeaways from this, Dan? Yes, Texas has a a good defense that is ahead of its offense. Tyrone Swoops is probably not a long-term answer for Texas at quarterback, but did a nice job. Malcolm Brown, the one in the defensive uh, part of the field for Texas on their defensive line, was essentially unblockable. The Malcolm Brown in the offensive backfield was fine, but um, it, it is very much an offense in transition. Jackson Shipley had a nice day. Swoops threw a nice ball to him. Oklahoma won this game in a losing effort. If, if there is a way to phrase something, uh, Trevor Knight was not good. Um, Texas did a great job stopping the running game of Oklahoma. Uh, they, they shut down Sterling Shepard for all intents and purposes. He had a nice touchdown grab late. Second half, they didn't, yeah. They didn't convert a third down, I feel like, until a good chunk into the third quarter. This was a sloppy, sloppy Red River game from from Oklahoma, one that they were pretty fortunate to get a, a Texas team in transition uh, and get the win. But Oklahoma, to me now, is not I mean, they, they've what they've only lost to TCU. They're five and one. I don't know what they're ranked at the moment. They're they're probably should be borderline top 15. And that's kind of it at this point. 
Well, it depends who you ask if you want to find out where they're ranked, because I was going through some of the ballots. Mm -hmm. I don't know who some of the people are that vote on these things. The AP who Top 25. Who are these people? All right. You might ask yourself, where is Oklahoma ranked? Where is TCU ranked? All right. Where's Michigan State ranked? Where's Oregon ranked? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My point is that it seems, at least among some pollsters, that a good college football game will clearly not get in the way of others' agendas and what they think the ranking should be. Because right. I looked at one ballot in particular, Scott Wolf. You familiar with Scott Wolf from the LA Daily News? Oh, everybody, there, there are some, out West, there are some particularly bad voters. He, he and John Wilner are particularly awful. He may have been raised by actual wolves to have this ballot. Michigan <laughs> State, five spots higher than Oregon. Oklahoma, okay. seven spots higher than TCU. Mm -hmm. I understand you can't be fully rooted to the transitive property when you're making right. these types of, uh, of ballots out. But Head to head should matter a bit. You would think when you see a team play another team on multiple right. occasions, in, in separate occasions, Right. That that would factor into a to a ballot here. I don't get it. I went through all of them. It's a rabbit hole if you ever go on the AP website right. and look to see who votes teams where. I have like a whole handful of people. The Scott Wolf one was was particularly of interest to me. Right. But I I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I know it doesn't matter, but it's right. I, I don't get it. Who are these people? I'm excited because these these are mostly these are media polls, right? The AP that we have. There's the coaches poll as well. And yeah. the, the Harris, whatever, all these different things. I'm excited for when the people that have financial conflicts of interest and affiliations <laughs> with these universities, <laughs> they're tasked with uh, with having the proper context and responsibility to figure out who's better than who. That's going to be the fun part. Oh, and my God. It's it's so cool. All right. Elsewhere. West Virginia edges Texas Tech. Iowa State beats Toledo. You already mentioned Oklahoma mm -hmm. State only winning by seven yeah, at Kansas. One. Yeah, the post will be interesting to watch as we move forward. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, not a ton of action involving ACC teams, which we could probably say every week. The most notable game, though, was the letdown look ahead sandwich involving North Carolina. And right. Notre Dame. Yeah. Chris the Capper locked this one up. I believe both of us locked this one up back in March. Mm -hmm. Your final score was Notre Dame 50, North Carolina 43. I, I don't want to minimize the effort by North Carolina here. I don't want right. to minimize it because they've had uh, a world of problems mm -hmm. in Chapel Hill this season. Offense has not been one of them. Defense clearly has as they gave up 50 points here. I do want to talk, though, about Notre Dame's defense. Gave up 43 points and over 500 yards in this game. Is that the, bad? The up-tempo offense from UNC combined with the old letdown look-ahead effect right. was a particularly bad combination for Brian Van Gorder's defense. The defense was asleep at the wheel for 90% of this game. They were just lucky they had a guy like Everett Golson. And actually, a running game to get Notre Dame back in this one. It was the first time maybe all year we've seen a respectable running attack from the Irish. My takeaway now as we move forward into a huge matchup this coming week with Florida State. Huge. Notre Dame's going to get killed. Continue. Everett Golson needs to be better with the football. Needs to be yes. better. Three more turnovers yesterday. Only has four interceptions on the year, but has a case of fumbleitis lately. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work out well for him against a team like Florida State. By the way, this Florida State game, 
which is going to keep me awake at night thinking about it. Sure. Two quarterbacks now with a combined record of 35 and one as starters. Mm-hmm. It feels like more people should be talking about that. Yeah. And Ever Colson's missed a lot more games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it's the autumn. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's just something about the, the crisp autumn air thinking about, you know, apple picking. Uh, Ever Colson seems to be way into the, he's just thinking and, and executing those turnovers. Yeah. He's good. Loves those apples, loves those turnovers. Um, yeah. North Carolina did a fantastic job. Obviously, they're going to get an excited. They're going to be excited and get up for a game like this going to South Bend. But I, I would say it's Brian Van Gorder is the defensive coordinator. Yep. It was a it was a disappointing look across the country like Stanford. You could have done some some more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Stanford. Come on. Look at it. These guys are cool. Um, yeah, it certainly was a look ahead spot. Notre Dame didn't want to show too much on either side of the ball, but the, the turnovers are a concern for Everett Golson. It was nice that Notre Dame was able to get a little more than usual on the ground. Um, Torin Folston was the one this week to shoulder the load. I, I'm trying to I think Golson ran it a bit. Um, Notre Dame has legitimate number one receiver in Bill Fuller, and I'm going with Bill. You're going to go Bill? I'm going Bill. Okay. Um, and I I would be very terrified if I were a Notre Dame fan with this team going to Tallahassee. But, uh, you know, what? where they could have been and how they were down in this game, it, it could have ended differently. Well, let me ask you a question now. I'm going to play devil's yeah. advocate. Mm-hmm. This isn't Ty the Notre Dame fan talking. This right. is Ty just, the devil's advocate talking. Notre Dame holds on to the ball. They, they win this game by three touchdowns. It's just so weird. What, what is it about Florida State that you've seen thus far that makes you cower in fear? No, this is, this is certainly, and Florida State is dealing with so much in the way of injuries where and I... And distractions, too? Distractions, injuries, um, they're younger, they're, they're disappointing at certain spots, particularly along the offensive line going against Notre Dame front that has been pretty good. It's just one of those things where... I see Notre Dame having various struggles against teams that are lesser and Florida state had their own struggle against Clemson, but that's a, that's a, a decent Clemson team, at least with a healthy Deshaun Watson. They struggle with NC state, but ultimately pour it on in the second half. I just feel like the Florida state team is prone to lacking focus and playing down a little bit at times. Whereas I think this week at home with game day there with Notre Dame as a known, I mean, what's Notre Dame ranked right now? Fifth. I just think Notre Dame is going to get Florida State's best craziest shots. And it depends on the health of Rashad Green with his own issues at receiver. Carlos Williams has been banged up. But in terms of focus and concentration, I think this is the week Notre Dame gets Florida State's full, full attention, which should be a bit scary. Also, I'm always wrong. So keep that in mind. I, I was going to say you're always wrong. I, yeah. I'm i not saying Notre Dame beats Florida State. Believe right. me, I am not saying Notre Dame beats Florida State. My only point, though is that this this is not as ferocious a seminal team as it was a year ago. No one's denying that. Um, right. Not a great running team. Right. Thus far, I mean, they have the pieces. I like Carlos Wins. Just not a mm-hmm. great running team. Uh, I think you can pass the ball on Florida State. Sure. I don't feel great about doing it. However, I, I think you can, and I think that plays well for Notre Dame here. I don't think Notre Dame wins the game outright. I really don't. But... I can see a scenario where this game is well within the 11 and a half point spread. I'm looking at recent schedule of Notre Dame against teams with decent to good recruits from the South. 
Uh, I want to say North Carolina is the first team they've played with that, with that kind of speed and that kind of athleticism as they're just, there's so much talent in the South. Um, last season, they appeared to play. Did they play anybody from the Southern school? <sighs> Unless you count Arizona state or Oklahoma, they lose to Oklahoma. That's the one team that you would probably consider below the Mason Dixon line, having top level talent, right? There were a lot of factors last year. You're playing with sure. Tommy Reese a year ago as opposed they lost, to an They Ever lost Golson. to Oklahoma, but they did lose to Oklahoma's current tight end at quarterback. This is true. Uh, and then the year before, obviously, Alabama, um, anybody else, Miami, they, they laid to waste to Notre Dame's credit. Um, that was a really bad Miami team. Um, but it's, it's interesting when they stop playing Big Ten, Pac-12, like bru- those types of bruisers like Stanford, uh, like USC, which tries to do pro style stuff and go to more wide open Southern teams with top talent from Florida, Mississippi, Alabama. It's, it's a different animal. And I'm not sure Notre Dame has the team speed at this point. Do they seem like a faster, more athletic team than they did the past couple of years this year? Notre Dame is way faster and way Are more they, athletic they, they on be. defense, on defense okay. in particular. Fair enough. And this is a good time to be fast and athletic on defense against a beat up Florida state offense. We're going to get way more into we'll this get game way more Wednesday. in depth. Yeah. I, I could, do a whole podcast on this maybe no, it's maybe it's someone will let me but you know it's um it's an intriguing matchup florida state i still think is the better team but like you said we'll talk about this more on wednesday yeah all right very quickly you did mention florida state florida yeah. state won 38 20 on the road at syracuse you liked syracuse to lose by only 17 points which was a very weird statement at the time you mentioned it on but... our wednesday show but they did cover the point spread well, how many did they lose by? They lost by 18. You were pretty close. That's not bad. I believe I have gotten something for the first time correct this season. This is true. Yay! Georgia Yay! Tech loses at home. It's their first loss of the season. They lose to yep. Duke. Miami hangs a 55 spot on Cincinnati. They win by 21. Don't get too excited, Miami fans, but you have a quarterback. Clemson beats Louisville, but loses Deshaun Watson to a broken finger. He'll have surgery on Monday, he'll be out about five weeks. That's a bummer for Clemson. Clemson, bad news. You don't have a quarterback for the next five weeks. Yeah, not good news. And then right. finally, we did get some calls about this, but Boston College, again, sticking it to the solid verbal. Boston College wins 30 to 14 over NC State. This was uh, my fallen lock. Lock of the week. Fallen lock of the week. I did win my other lock, which was Georgia minus three. I went one and one. I'm up to like nine and four, something like that on the year. Uh, your lock of the week. Uh-oh. Lock of the week. Your lock of the week was UCLA plus three and a half, Dan. Pretty sneaky, tie. Pretty sneaky. Are you going reverse jinx? No, I really did think UCLA was going to win this game, and I was just wrong, uh, happily wrong. Um, 42 to 30 was the final, though. Oregon was up, was it 42 to 10 at one point? Yeah, they were up 42 to 10. Okay. They didn't really do a fantastic job of managing what amounted to elongated garbage time, um, and UCLA did, and they were, I mean, they were with 18, and then they cut it to the final score. It was 12 at the end, but Oregon... Did a fantastic job, especially in the third quarter. The, the first half was nice. I think at halftime they were up like what it was 20, 21, 10, something like that. 
looking better and better. They were still, they're still bad on third down. They were bringing more pressure and putting and sort of uh, making UCLA uncomfortable, putting them in uncomfortable situations. Mariota looked comfortable. The running game, that was the big thing. Getting Jake Fisher back at left tackle, who's been out for the past few weeks, and that, that offensive line has been terrible. So offensive line looks solidified, I would assume, the people that are beat up on that line will only get healthier. They were down Oregon, their best defensive lineman and Eric Armstead who got hurt against Arizona, but a very nice game, especially in that third quarter. And that was the, the hallmark of chip Kelly teams. And I'm, I'm not going to sit and compare. That's just unfair to everybody involved, but the way that Oregon plays as quickly as they do, those third quarters are enormous because they play to adjust at halftime. So if Oregon comes out and shuts down an offense and at the same time start rolling with pace and you have the accuracy of Mariota, if Oregon plays a good third quarter, almost regardless of the rest of the game, I would say they're an almost impossible team to beat. But we haven't always seen that. If they just play decently enough, get stops and are able to run the ball, they're an almost impossible out. The problem is the consistency with this team. But UCLA is... A mess. They, I don't they know how much. How, did you watch any of this game? I watched some of this game, and the one thing that kept echoing in my head is UCLA goes on the road next week and plays Cal, and UCLA is going to be favored in that game. Yeah, and I don't think I can take Cal quick enough there because really, this, this to Cal me, didn't look good this weekend. Didn't look good. No, killed by Washington has a ton of potential on offense still. And with UCLA being as soft as it is right now, right? I just I, on the road, Cal's gonna be fired up for that game. Mm-hmm. I just I think this has a lot of potential for UCLA to just completely come off the swivel. UCLA outgained Oregon by nearly 100 yards, and I don't put a ton of weight into total yardage. They were able to run like crazy, not just Hundley scrambling because of broken plays. Paul Perkins was able to move the ball. They were able to move the ball on the ground. I think they averaged like six yards a carry and still wasn't really a game pretty quickly into the second half. Do you know what that means, Ty? Hmm. They don't have good coaches. They're not able to string together successful drives. They're not able to to out scheme opponents. Their defense, they had their stock with blue chippers on front, pushed around by a makeshift Oregon offensive line, an inconsistent makeshift Oregon offensive line. Their their offensive play calling, it just seemed to stall so much. At halftime, they looked at Oregon's defense and they just got worse. Uh, UCLA's offense so uh or, or not able to stop Oregon on first and second down I think Oregon only had seven or eight third downs on offense it was it was a showing of a of a team with a definitive eight and a half win ceiling yeah. some years it'll be nine some years it'll be eight you know maybe one year it'll be down seven one year it'll be the lucky breaks 10 but this is the, the Jim Mora and his staff situation is that's what you are right now sort of an oatmeal situation like at Maryland it's like a uh, oatmeal bowl with, um, you know, some cinnamon and raisins in it. But yeah, a little bit of it's sunshine. The same, it's the same thing all the time. It's it's what I mean, with with Noel Mazzone at offensive coordinator. I mean, you had Jim Mora and the defensive coordinator, Ulbrich or whatever, arguing on the sidelines. Yeah, that's and a great look. Handing him his headset. It was it's it's bad times in, in Pasadena and Westwood. Lee Corso's national champion, by the way, I should asterisk there. Lee Corso's national champion. Continue. USC 28, Arizona 26. Yeah. A strange turn of events at the end of this game. USC mm-hmm. leads 
28 to 13 headed into the fourth quarter. Arizona rallies. They score two touchdowns, but they can't convert a two point conversion that would have nodded it at 28, 28. The score is 28, 26. Arizona does an onside kick, recovers that onside kick, marches 28 yards into field goal range, only to promptly miss a 36 yarder that would have won the game for the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. They lost the game, but they did get the backdoor cover. So there's that for that? Arizona. A good win for Steve Sarkeesian for USC to kind of build some forward momentum. The problem for USC moving forward is just that they're really inconsistent. This is this is who USC is this year, and that's okay. And beating right. Arizona on the road is still a good win. Arizona is going to have a lot of success as we progress through. However, I don't know if I got the warm fuzzies from this win. For, oh, God, you shouldn't. For USC. I mean, they were not great on offense, not great on defense, not great on special teams. And right. we know the coaching's a little dubious at times as well. So how excited should you be, Dan, if you're a USC fan and you get this win on the road? Be excited about Nelson Aguilar as you are every week and a little disappointed that they don't use him properly for four quarters at a time. Be excited that Buck Allen is for real and very good. He had a game. Yeah, he goes for over 200 yards. He he was the, the guy that shouldered the load for USC. Um, Cody Kessler was fine. Nothing fantastic. He threw his first pick of the season. Arizona needs to do a better job in first halves to get going and get in rhythm. I don't know if it's a tempo thing. I don't know if it's having a new Solomon be the, the underclassman that he is getting better, but still, you know, throwing the ball 70 times. That's and you need to establish a, a run game. You're not going to be fortunate enough to get Don Pelham every week. No. If you're Arizona, it'd be nice. I know. But yeah, they were unable to move the ball against USC. My concern for USC, a team as talented as they are, granted with still the depth issues, I think they, they're still dressing about 60 scholarship players, which is not ideal. Three quarters of football. Three quarters of football against Boston College. Three quarters of football against Arizona State. Three quarters of football against Arizona. If USC played Michigan State, do Sark and Mark D'Antonio just come to midfield after the third quarter and shake hands? Like, hey, man, <laughs> that was that was oof. That was a tough one. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Like, you know, when a like a, a shortstop starts running into the dugout after the second out catches a pop flight. That's basically what USC and Michigan State are. Michigan State struggling with Purdue for uh, for a solid fourth quarter. Yeah, um, it was an encouraging win for USC to go on the road and beat a good team. I don't think anybody fully believed in Arizona as a top 10 team. Uh, they, they rightfully and skillfully took advantage of a bad Oregon performance and deserved and outfought and outgained and did everything to beat Oregon. Arizona has a ways to go. And we talked about this game as like USC just needs to run right at Arizona and they should be fine. And they did run right at Arizona. They, 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 they schemed pretty well. They just couldn't make adjustments when Arizona did in the second half. So, USC, I mean, you want to pull up their schedule? Are you intrigued at all by this Trojan team? Or do you just look forward to 2016 when perhaps they've got full numbers and a new quarterback and offensive play caller? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they have, they're have they going to Utah. who is who, Win or lose, Utah is going to push people around. Um, they have Cal, I want to say, at home. They go to UCLA and that's sort of Pacific time zone pillow fight of pillow fights. And then uh, they finished the season with Notre Dame at home. Yeah. USC. They got, I mean, they have Colorado and Wazoo in there as well. Uh, Colorado at home, US, uh, Wazoo on the road. That Notre Dame game against USC scares the hell out of me. Um, End of the year yeah. at USC. Who knows where Notre Dame will be? Excuse me. 
at that point in time. But that's a big rivalry game. You have to imagine that Sark's going to have them pretty fired up for that. It's cute that you still think that's a big rivalry game. It is a rivalry game. I think it's game. adorable. I think it's adorable. What's wrong with that as a rivalry game? Eh, I don't know. Past I mean, it's, it's convenient, Dan, to just, you know, forget about everything that happened outside the last 10 years. But there's a lot right. of tradition there. Oh, God. Like the true Notre Dame man he is. There's a lot of tradition there, is there not? No, I mean, there is. There, There's a lot of tradition. And the, the picture I posted of Notre Dame fans getting excited for the North Carolina game. That was pretty good. Wrong. That was pretty yeah. good. I like that. And God, that the fact that you ran into a sad Oregon fan in Atlantic City. Oh, yeah. Sitting right across from me. Himself. Oh, that bummed me out and felt a little close to home. I remain undefeated in getting stealth photos of people. Yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty good effort by me. Did you eat well, by the way, in Atlantic City? No, I always worry about you in the eating. No. What did you have to eat? Um, I had like a club sandwich at lunch. I had a a burger from Chickie and Pete's at dinner. What is Chickie and Pete's? It's like a sports bar. Okay. That was where they had. That was the picture I posted with like the neon, Mm, the neon wall and the TV. It's good food. You know. I think one of our one of our Twitter followers instantly recognized where you were. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't go down there to eat lavish foods. I no, knew, you're I knew celebrating what it was be. your friends' upcoming nuptials. Right. I went down there to celebrate his nuptials and to lose my money. Let's talk medium sized 10, Ty. Okay. I should mention that Stanford beat Wazoo 34 17. Oh, they did Thursday night or Friday night. Yeah. And uh, Washington hammered Cal 31 7. That was Chris the Capper's mm-hmm. lock of the week. He went 2 and 1 on the week with his locks we've updated the standings page now yeah the uh, the little 10 as you called them medium-sized tie it's not a you, if you're going through a drive-through you're feeling all right you're not like you're not super sizing michigan state 45 purdue 31 mm-hmm. we already talked about this game michigan state with a three-quarters effort yep that's what you get with michigan state nowadays mm-hmm. yeah it was uh hey guys run a lap ah run half a lap it was basically what you're getting in the Michigan State offseason. Michigan State's, I think, in really good territory when it comes to this college football playoff. If they can continue, if they can win out, if they can win the Big mm-hmm. Ten, obviously a lot needs to happen before now and then. But their only loss this season's on the road at Oregon. That's not a bad loss by any stretch. Right. If they're able to win out and if the teams around them keep losing, I think Michigan State's in a good spot. I think Ohio State could be in close to as good a spot their loss is a lot worse at home against virginia tech that's not going to look good on the resume but these are two teams i think if they continue with the status quo just keep winning find your way into that big 10 championship game if one of those two teams can win the big 10 i think they have a pretty good claim to get one of those playoff seats maybe like as a fourth seed if we're going to talk about certain teams as secretly bad, we should mention Tevin Coleman from Indiana as being secretly very, very good, far too secretly. Oh, he's Household great. name. He should be at this point. Uh, Ohio State with the week off. They get Rutgers, Penn State, uh, and whew, the Riley O'Toole, Illinois, yeah. um, before getting Michigan State on November 8th. That's going to be a fun November 8th, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's what we said Oklahoma Baylor was as well. But. Yeah, Michigan State in an interesting place. They do get Indiana, which it's on the road. It's It feels hiccupy after getting a, a sort of bye with their win against Purdue in West Lafayette. Uh, I wouldn't say look ahead with Michigan looking like Texas. I don't know. <laughs> Michigan isn't Michigan. Michigan. I don't know who Michigan is, um, but it's not really a look ahead spot. I, I'm intrigued by Michigan State. 
I, I'm worried about some of the sloppiness of late game stuff of a team like that shouldn't like Indiana, like I'm going on the road to Maryland. I, I don't feel good about Penn state, but one of those teams that's talented enough to at least hang around and make things weird in the fourth quarter. That's worrisome to me. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I could really see that. Um, you mentioned Michigan 18 to 13 over Penn state. Mm-hmm. I watched this game with a bunch of Penn state fans. What are you even doing? They were inconsolable watching this <laughs> offense. The Penn state offensive line is just dreadful right now. Yeah. The offense just horrible. If you didn't watch this game, you did yourself a fine service, a mm-hmm. really hard game to watch. Felt like it took forever to finish. Oh, um, just a lot of slop, Dan. A lot mm-hmm. of slop. 18-13. I don't want to spend it. Did you watch this game at all? I did. This was on one of the TVs oh, we had on at the studio. Just awful. Awful football game. It was it was Big Ten football to some degree, um, just given the level of sloppiness. And then right. it was really a microcosm for what's going on, both at Michigan and Penn State, all at the same time. Really ugly game. Yeah, but if you take rushing yards in games like this, it, it's at least a basketball score. 64 to 54 Michigan. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing too much to glean as far as, uh, as far as this game. These teams are going to need a year or two. Minnesota wins 24-17. Iowa wins 45-29. They scored a lot of points. 45. Wisconsin 38, Illinois 28. They've mm-hmm. now got Riley O'Toole in there. Westlawn's beat up, yep. Uh, Melvin Gordon. Melgor. Back to man. 27 carries, 175 yards, four touchdowns for Melgor. Mm-hmm. He was activated in this one. He was Wisconsin's primary offense because they still can't throw the ball. Right. So that's pretty much your Big Ten wrap. Yeah. Stave wasn't terrible. He's dealing with Andy Ludwig and a terrible offensive system and adjustment situation uh yeah any team with melvin gordon and Corey clement running wild over a bad team and still it being sort of a game late that has me concerned for the long-term issues of wisconsin i think that's fair yeah i think that's fair that pretty much does it for power five what happened right. in the pat league dan ty i'm not ready to talk pat league yet oh i'm not because ecu oh that's right rank team they're good uh, i like ecu right they um, they struggled for a long time again. And you mentioned South Florida as plucky. They are plucky. Um, but ECU needing four full quarters to beat a South Florida team that's now two and four. But hopefully it was just one of those off weeks going on the road. We'll see what happens. I, I want to see ECU succeed. Uh, you mentioned LSU, Florida a little bit. Florida really with a devastating both injury at the end of that game and a drop in the end zone. Of course, the injury far more significant because it's an actual human story. But the drop was pretty bad because Jeff Driscoll, as bad as he looked at time, did put together a nice drive through a nice long pass to put Florida in position to essentially win that game. And LSU snatches uh, defeat, just snatches victory from the jaws of defeat, whatever the case with a, an extraordinary field goal at the end there. Um, Tulane, UConn, Ty, do you have an hour? Yeah. No, please don't. Drop that big, nasty drum and fife. Oh my God, Ty, look at this conference yeah it's great 
It's fantastic. Fordham, of course, as you alluded to earlier, just drops the hammer on the clown, the clown show that is Penn football. Of course, Penn now 0-4. No wins on the road, of course. Fordham 6-1, 4-0, setting up that monumentally large Pat League showdown against Bucknell in early November. Bucknell, of course, rolls Lehigh tied. Not a good time to be engaged to a Lehigh No. Especially, it's, it's just not with football reasons only. I imagine everything else is pretty good. Um, Brown sneaks by Holy Cross in overtime. What have, what have I told you week in and week out since we started this show about the Pat League? You cannot turn away. You can't. You take nothing for granted. You can. You just can't do it. You know, Holy Cross obviously struggling away from the raucous nature that is the Cross Dome. Going to Brown, really putting up a valiant effort, putting up a fight to try to go to three and four. Unfortunately, they cannot get it done. Colgate, though, you've been all in on the toothpaste. You've been all in on the Gators. Go Gators. Sneaking by Princeton. Yeah. It was a big, big Ivy Pat League weekend. Gives each other an opportunity to face likewise talent situations in terms of I am just I am bullshitting. You're rambling, so, yeah. So very far. But Lafayette, the class, and you know, Fordham, the, the on-field class, Lafayette, obviously the class in life. I myself am a leopard legacy. I will disclose that. But getting by Georgetown, even with Georgetown's supposed advantage of our friend Nicole Auerbach wanting to be a live bulldog, That's cannot right. go to Easton PA and take down Lafayette and the raucous, raucous, the, 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 the leopard cage. The leopard cage is very the, vicious. By the way, I got some tweets from people who uh, pointed out that they caught the drinky drinkerson reference in downtown Easton. Had a conversation on Twitter about the uh, right. drinky drinkerson's experience. By the way, if you thought I was serious, I wasn't. Please don't go to drinky drinkerson's. That's not How the place you, you want to go. So you want to go to PJ Wheelahans? You can go to Wellahans. Wellahans. Wheelahans. I don't. I don't even know how you say it, but it's PJ Wheelahans. Wellahans. You can go there. I was there on Friday, actually. Right. That's a good place to go watch a game. But uh, Drinkies probably they may not even have TVs in Drinkies to watch football. They ha they have an, an auctioneer describing what what is happening as he's watching GameCast at yeah. Drinky Drinkersons. Um, yeah. I, are you going to Lehigh Lafayette at Yankee Stadium? I will be at Lehigh Lafayette at Yankee Stadium. It's actually quite fitting, given all the attention we've paid to the Patriot League here. Right. We're it, basically the most influential. There, There's no better Patriot League coverage it's than no, what's happening on this show. It's no coincidence, by the way, that the year we really jump in head first into all, in. all things Patriot League, the Lehigh flag starts showing up at game day each week. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Not a coincidence, Ty. Not a coincidence. Um, I don't have much else. You had a good time in Atlantic City? Had a good time in Atlantic City. Uh, the blackjack table was not kind to me, Dan. I'm sorry to hear it, Ty. Was not kind to me. You know, we uh, started at Tropicana. Right. Did okay at Tropicana. You know, not, mm -hmm. uh, not anything to write home about, but um, didn't lose my shirt there. Sure. Then we walked down to Caesars, Caesars Palace, a short mm -hmm. jaunt down on the Atlantic City boardwalk and uh, was doing some work on the blackjack table. I had one of those situations where I had a bunch of friends with me at the table. It was a lot of fun. We're cheering each other on, you know. Right. And um, was winning, was winning, was winning, was chipping into some of my losses. Right. You're you're about to fund your entire wedding here. Exactly. Then they bring in a woman by the name of Kim. OK, from I don't know where she was the backgammon room somewhere. Right. Um, she could best be described as like the Roberto Aguayo of stealing money 
from people playing blackjack wow. automatically took every chip. Cooled everything down. She was the ultimate cooler. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we called to quits and uh, called the reverb line. That was that. Wow. No. I'm sorry to hear it, Ty. Can I thank a couple people? Please. I want to shout out some friends of the verbal because you know what? Damn it. People are retweeting this show on Twitter. Oh, it's been great. They're the real heroes, Ty. They're the real heroes. Steven Partain. Looks happy. What up, Steve? Looks pretty happy. Uh, Andrew Jacobs, Michael Hall, Nathan Klein, just a brick. Scott, a.k.a. Razor Hamon, a.k.a. Bill Clinton is in his dang avatar. Did I Follow hear Razor Ramon? Razor Hamon with a Hamon. J. Wow. I believe a New York City local and listener. Michael, Hello, uh, Michael. AKA from Vitamin Still. Brandon McKissick, obviously, obviously, the solid verbal rides with McKissick. That's right. Uh, Dave, I'm going to mispronounce his last name. How would you how would you pronounce C-R-E-A-G-H? C Cray Cree C R E A G A Cree Cree Cray Cray Cray. We need a ruling on that. Clown Shoes fourteen. I don't have a first or last name unless he was unfortunately named by Larry and Sue Shoes right. to be Clown Shoes. And of course, I Morel Munyon Munyon. Sounds I right. Idea. Yeah. In any case, thank you for bringing heroes that retweet and don't just favorite. You are you are the real people in our hearts. If I remember correctly, though, the one beef I have with uh, Clown Shoes, mm. didn't he spill the beans on the... Is on that the fa- who did that? I think Clown Shoes spilled the beans on the whole Chris Fowler secret verbal thing. Yeah, we are we are the people that Ty and myself will will happily tell you when to, to give up the ghost, to give up uh, yeah. the secret verbal. Yeah, he spilled the beans on us. That wasn't cool. Yeah. Otherwise, though, he's cool, just not, not in that situation. Absolutely. All right, well, this has been fun. We hope you appreciated it. Solidverbal at gmail.com is the email. Find us on Facebook, on FanCred, and on Twitter. Don't forget yep. to call in 408Verbal1 when you watch the games next weekend. In the meantime, the other thing you can do to help us out, Dan just read off this list of people who tweet out the show. Yeah. If you want to help out, share the Solid Verbal with your friends. Do that. And head on out to our iTunes page, which I can link up, and we do link up from our Twitter account. And... uh Post us a review, give us mm-hmm. a rating. All that stuff helps, helps boost awareness of the solid verbal, helps get more people on the train. So yeah. if you wouldn't mind doing that for us, we will continue not minding to do this for you. For what is our price again for these downloads, Dan? I've got the adding machine right here in front of me. Zero dollars. Zero dollars. So Zero dollars. You help us, we'll help you. That's what we call the verbalerhood, Daniel. Oh, it's a, it's a wonderful place. That's all I got. No, I'm I am I am spent. I have been up since God, I've been up since about six AM doing doing all sorts of fun things and I am I am still gonna keep on going. All right. Well you do that. I will talk to you on Wednesday. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the first part of your week. We'll be back in just a few days, talk about all things college football week eight. In the meantime, for that guy over there, Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty Hildenbrandt, thanks again for downloading, for listening, for sharing, for tweeting, for everything else. Take care and you stay solid. Peace. Peace.